Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premiere podcasting duo. My name is JW Crewall, and I'm without my partner, Riley Hulbert, because he is out enjoying the sun in San Diego. He's on a work trip, but never fear. We have some nice replacements for Riley. Yeah, that's right. We're doing a roundtable discussion about the upcoming post-rotation tournament in London. EUIC is in just a few short weeks, and we have everything to get you prepared for that. I have a roundtable with participants. Jesper Eriksson, 2016 Senior World Champion, top 16 finisher in Charlotte and Bochum this season. Just don't ask him how Fort Wayne went. We have Aiden Coos, the Charlotte regional champ from this year. Xander Bennett, top four finisher in Fort Wayne, along with being a longtime player. And Nick Moffitt, four-time regional semifinalist. So, welcome to the cast, everybody. <laughs> thank you guys. Yeah, thank you guys all so much for joining me here. Yeah, don't everyone speak up all at once. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. We had some really great banter before the episode started, so I was kind of hoping that that would you know, continue in. But I, the boys are a little camera shy. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> so thank you guys all so much for joining. We, yeah, this we is... don't want to overtake your territory as the host. You got to let yeah. us know when we can start. Absolutely. Okay, well, then let's get it kicked off. So we have <laughs> EUIC starting. And, and Xander, I'll just pose this question to you. And, and fellas, uh, please you know, jump in as you see appropriate. But how do you approach a new format? Of course, we just had you know, rotation, right? So we're losing half a dozen sets from the current standard format. Uh, since you've been playing for quite a while, most of you have, I mean, all of us have been playing for quite a while, but I, I want to ask you, Xander, how do you prepare for a new format, especially one post-rotation? It's it's so odd because we haven't had a rotation in so long that I'm having to like rethink about this question in like a modern context. The way that I've been talking with people currently is like, the burden of proof is on the new cards, not the old cards. So, like, the decks that have been good, the question then is, like, what's going anywhere? So, like, I was just sitting talking with my friends, and I was like, wait, what about Kyrim VMAX? And they were like, oh, you lose Capacious Bucket and Orangaroo. And I'm like, okay, that's enough. Like, that whole deck, like, those are cards that are really important to the end. Mm -hmm. They obviously make that strategy, like, fall apart. But, like, Lost Box, that whole engine stays, obviously. And we've seen Lost Box have a handful of success in both foreign tournaments and then the late nights. So, like, I usually like to start with the stuff that, like, you know is going to be closer to public enemy number one. Because, like, not everything's going to rotate. So you have to, like, some of that stuff's still going to stay. Lugia stays. Mew stays. Lost Box stays. Uh, Gudra Vsar stays. Like, a handful of different random stuff that has, like, shown up sporadically stays. And so it's like, how much do those decks lose to rotation, like, is that enough to, like, kick them out of something that you'd consider? And then, like, and then you can start going towards the new stuff and start seeing, like, okay, well, how does that line up against these matchups that I know are going to be good? But, like, I, for me personally, I'd be really hard to say, like, Gardevoir or Maridon or Oinkalone or, like, these things we're going to talk about later. I'd be really hard-pressed to say, like, that's where I'm going to put all of my effort into testing, jumping out of the gate, because if you spend hours like, tuning a list for a deck that just ends up not having good matchups against the field, like, we knew that Lost Box is still going to be good for this format. Like, you know that Mew is still going to be, like, somewhat solid. Like, these decks that have, like, that aren't losing a lot of pieces, I, I start there. I start with, like, what's tried and true, and, like, then you can innovate once you kind of know the basis of what's good. 
but I'm not going to take over the air. I'd love to hear what other people have to say too, because I'm sure there's more to one way to approach this topic. Yeah, I mean, like, I think that whenever we have the new format, I think you need to figure out what has the highest power level, which I think Gardevoir is, like, probably, undoubtedly, the deck with the highest power level. Um, it's just Either not the most consistent. Right? It's, it's, it's very inconsistent. Um, and consistency is the biggest thing whenever going into, especially, like, a tournament of this caliber, which is coming up, is that you have to figure out what's the most consistent deck and has the highest power level. And, like, Lugia is probably the answer for that. Um, it took down both late nights, I'm pretty sure. Um, and, but there are easy techs for everything. It's just, like, how do you make those techs fit into a deck that also beats all the other stuff? Well, that's a good question. And, yes, I'll pose that to you. We're kind of talking about, well, it's not good against the meta, but how do you know what the meta is going to be for a tournament and a format that we really haven't played. So, so Jesper, how do you approach like predicting the meta in an unknown meta? Yeah, that's a good question because I think last time we had like a truly unknown thing was like back in 2011, right? And mm -hmm. I, I think when we're heading into a post rotation format like this, it's abundantly clear to everyone that the good decks from the past format is going to stay alive still. You still have your Lugas, you still have your Lost Boxes, Guardi comes in as a new deck, but same old strategy as we had before in past years. So I think when you're coming into a meta like this, of course you have to recognize what's the best. We've seen late night turns. We have online platforms now to like see what's the best because it's like I think this is the first rotation we have where the online era truly like has kicked off. So I think if you're looking at the online tournaments, you could pretty much get yourself a pretty good picture of okay, I have to beat this and this. And by that, of course, as Aiden said, constructing something that's consistent, that's probably where you find your most success. Well, not to mention, I feel like we also get a lot more information, at least it, it seems to me, a lot more information from Japan. And they've already been playing this format mm -hmm. for a while now. And yeah. so how much do those results, Nick, play into, you know, if you look at Japan lists or you look at the late night, like how much factor of those uh, yeah. results factor into your decision? Great question. Um, so basically, I like to look at all the results and then, um, you know, ignore that and then go build those decks completely from scratch without thinking about, oh, how did they build this deck or whatever, because you look at some of these lists and they kind of just make no sense in a lot of ways. So I'm kind of getting that out of my head. And then, all right, how would I build Lost Box from complete scratch with no prior knowledge, right? And then that's how I ended up on the list that I have now, which have been working really well for me. Nice. Nice. When you look for a deck to play, are you thinking more about consistency? How much are you accommodating for certain decks in the format? Like, how much are you teching for certain decks? Yeah. Um, you know, how much are you thinking that, you know, are you trying to uh, accommodate for the new archetypes that could pop up? Is it is it zero? Is it, you know, a, a hundred? You know, whatever a hundred looks like yeah. in a 60 card deck. Like, how much are you teching for so, what for these Pretty decks? minimal teching, max consistency, and just playing the deck that has the best matches spread, I think, is the best way about it. Um, and not trying to tech for any one matchup in particular. At least yeah, at the I always, format. I always tell my locals, like, like whenever we're talking about like regionals and whatnot, like I always have you have to, I feel like with regionals you have to think about the tournament as if you're gonna start off like two o or three o, mm -hmm. not because you're better than your opponents, but just like 
for what decks you expect to face. So like you're you're not gonna expect to face like the random binder drop decks after you hit two O. So you don't have to sit here and worry about like little random things that are probably not gonna pop up. But like what decks have a realistic shot of going two O and then you have to worry about like, okay, if those are the decks that are in the format, I have to worry about facing them. So like for EUIC, it's not just like what deck am I gonna play? It's what deck am I gonna play in the sea of what other decks people have determined that are good in this format, which this is the first, like you said, it's the first major rotation in the Limitless era. And like, I think back to uh, Peoria, which was the first regional with Lost Box. And between like the week and a half of the Limitless tournaments, there was like the Path to the Peak builds in Lost Box. Then there was the double Empoleon thing. And then like all that stuff, like all of that metagame adaptation happened in two weeks before the regional. So that by the time that you got to the regional, you're in a whole level of like, you're in like the third level of metagaming between like Palkia lists and Lost Box lists. Similarly, I think what these online tournaments are letting you do is see like, okay, this is going to be like, if the bare bones Gardevoir list either looks like the basic list or some of them even have Mewtwo V Union, like those are the different ways that you kind of need to test against it. Or like the Rapid Strike Inteleon Urshifu deck, which like didn't super perform in the late nights, but like still has some really high ceiling. Like that's definitely a deck that you might need to worry about like facing at a higher level. So it's like, even if that deck, even if it didn't show up at like the highest ceiling, like is that a deck that you have to worry about? I mean, all of these decks that we're talking about are like uh, allegorical for any rotation. Like it's just mm-hmm. like, there's always going to be like a tier one deck. There's always going to be tier yeah. two decks you have to worry about. It's not just like, this is the only rotation that's ever occurred. So I, I often find that when I'm, especially with a post-rotation format, one of the main ways that I test in and I put that in quotes, the one of the main ways I test is I will first talk with a group of friends and come up kind of with the theory of how we think things are going to go. And we might talk for hours about just, okay, you know, this beats this, this beats this. I think this is good before we even touch cards, before we even put lists together, before we look at online tournament results. I mean, it's a lot of just discussion back and forth debate, would you say that that's true of you, Aiden, um, when you're looking at a new format? It's like, are you just talking with people first or do you like to get the cards going uh, and then figure it out from there? Um, so there's been plenty of times so like I haven't even like played a ton of games of Pokemon before attending an event. Um, I feel like for me, and it works differently for different people, um, but for me, I just sit down with like a group of my friends uh, on like a call, Messenger, Discord, and we'll just talk straight about, like, every deck. We'll just try and go over every deck. What are the top decks that we need to beat? Um, how do we beat them? How, and we'll just go through decks and just be like, does this deck beat this? And uh, if it does, and if it passes the check, then then we'll actually start taking it to a point where, like, where we'll, like, build the deck. We'll test it, like, actually. But if, if the deck, in theory, doesn't really beat what we want it to beat, then we'll just kind of scrap the idea. Um, and that's how we, like, like me and, like, my friend group tend to, like, pick what decks we're going to play for the event. Um, I will say that, like, right now, the only data we have is Japanese or Limitless tournaments. Um, and we've been tending to go more off of the Limitless tournaments than the Japanese results, because for some reason, just Japanese players and, like, 
the Western world players, I feel like that the meta would just be different compared to the two. Even though we're in the same format, I will say, like, during the past format, like, for OCIC, we were preparing for Japanese players to bring a lot of lost box and control. Because we thought that that's what they thought was, like, the wave. They, they, they weren't, like, heavy on, like, let's play Lugia, like, <laughs> like we are as, like, Americans who play Lugia all the time. I just want to say we finally got the results on Limitless from Champions League uh, Miyagi, if I'm saying that right. At least for the top 16. I'm just seeing that up now. Yeah, very nice. Uh, this morning. Yeah. I just, I'm just seeing that now. Oh, I do see that as well. Yeah, and I think, like, think that result has, like, gone through, like, Twitter today. Like, at least people were, like, looking at being like, wait, what, Maridon actually won a tournament? And, and yes, it did. But we're still seeing, like, what we have seen from the late night, sort of. Like, even though, of course, if in addition to what you're saying, Aiden, right? If Of course, like, with the Japanese results, taking them with, like, a grain of salt because they're playing best of 125 minutes, right. after all. It's a way different thing than, than we, what we do in the West. Yeah. Um, so, thinking about that, of course, taking a grain of salt, but, like, the top 8 or top 16 was, like, half of it was either Lost Box or Lugia. So yeah. we're still sort of, like, seeing the same results as we did in late night. I don't think the Champions League Aichi was, like, a fair result because that's their fresh tournament like we're gonna right. have an EYC sort of but I think they're they're close to aligning now with those two results of like the late night showing and the Japanese you can sort of like mash them together and put them in one pot very soon at least sure. does anyone like playing rogue in new formats I think that can be a define rogue well well right I mean something that you think not a lot of players have been testing. I mean, Rogue is kind of a, you know, in an unknown metagame, right? It's it's a little bit of a loaded um, word. But do you like playing things that are maybe a little bit under the radar in the hopes that you catch enough of your opponents off guard to make a deep run? I think it depends on your goal for the tournament, which, like, everyone has different goals. Azul and Chip do a great job talking about this on their podcast. Like, for me... I just need a 256 to get my invite. So I don't necessarily think that Mew is the best deck in the format, but I know that it's the deck that I've got like a 67% win rate with at regionals right now. So it's like, mm -hmm. I can probably just play that and scratch off five wins Top and not really think too least, hard. Yeah. yeah. But if your goal is to win the tournament and you really think like you have a good read on the room, maybe you weren't going to Charlotte or Fort Wayne and like you've been testing for post rotation for a long time, then there definitely is merit if you really think that you can call your shot. If you don't, then, like, I would probably just stick with something that's, like, pretty clearly good because after, like, my 10-year lesson of playing this game is that I like winning more than I like feeling smart playing Pokemon. And so I've kind of stopped playing Rogue decks because, like, that's just, like, maybe it's just because, like, that's my competitive nature coming out. Like, I think I would rather just play something that's, like, a bot deck than yeah. something that... Like, people really are like, wow, Xander, he built that super cool deck, because I don't necessarily know, like, I would rather, like, succeed. And that's just that's just different goals for different people. Like, so mm -hmm. if you really think, like, oh, man, I've got the coolest, like, mill deck for this tournament or the craziest VMAX that someone's forgot about, like, good for you if it lines up against the format. I personally don't know if that would be me, but also I'm flying from Nashville, Tennessee, all the way to London, and so it's, like, return on investment. Like, it's just... If it was Knoxville and it's two hours away from me, I might dunk around and play something weird, but it's like, it's just, it's just what is the tournament for you? Is it like 
man, it would be the craziest story if I won this tournament, or is it me being like, I really just need to rattle off five wins? Because I just need to rattle off five wins. So I'm probably just going to play something that rattles off five wins. There you go. Yeah. yeah what, are, mean, what are some other thoughts here? Aiden, go ahead. Oh, uh, I was going to say, uh, I think that playing Rogue, it, it really depends. If I can find a deck that I feel confident enough with, that I have an advantage over my opponent to the point where it's like, my deck doesn't have to be better than them in power level, but my deck can take a favorable advantage of them. Like with like techs or like just like the like there's a line that they have to take to beat me that they just won't think of. Uh, then maybe uh, I've played a lot of decks that are just like inherently bad after I feel like I've played them once because there's the like the lines kind of like feel like that my I feel like my my opponents are more likely to know the lines to beat me. Hmm. Uh, but I think going into a tournament where the meta is really fresh, uh, if I can find a deck that takes like maybe like a good matchup into Lost Box, a good matchup into Lugia, a good matchup into like Ride on Guardi, and then like takes like a really bad matchup to one of them, I might feel confident. It just depends how much of a meta share I think that one bad matchup is. And it's all, I always feel like for me, you're talking about bad matchups. It's like you, you obsess over these kind of fringe matchups and then you end up not seeing them at right. all. Yeah, and so I yeah. think that's some some good. I, I always try to impress that upon people where it's like I I always get in my own head about oh what if I see this this deck that's you know five percent of the meta or or is like you know kind of a rogue that I hear whispers about and then I just never see it over the course of the tournament and I always feel stupid because I put you know two or three cards in to right. like oh I really want to beat that matchup and well that's the that's the two O check like I remember I was talking with Cal Connor for 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 Fort Wayne beforehand, because I I'm just gone I truly had just gone on vacation and then came back from Fort Wayne. When the commentators talked about that, it was not a joke. I got off a plane up from Italy on Wednesday. So I had done no testing before Fort Wayne other than just like playing the other regionals. Mm-hmm. So I liked the list that he had played and he was like, nah dude, E turn's gonna be everywhere. I think you're gonna face two E turn day one. And I'm like, you're capping. There's just like there's no chance. Yeah, maybe so I, I walked I walked across the first row of tables when I was like 401 or something like that and there was like two e-turn across like 30 to 40 tables and i was like okay yeah like you just can't you can't worry about everything and even if you could there's there shouldn't be a deck that can beat everything in the room like lugia got really close but if there's a deck that you can just sit here and look at this new format that beats everything we've got problems (laughs) okay add something real quick oh for oh for fort for fort wayne i was also just thinking about playing e-turn but running it back but like i just thought that too many people were gonna tech against me, right? Because the I just won the, God. Yeah, it was like I just won the regionals with the deck, and it's like there's no way that people. It's a very easy deck to tech against. Right. Um, Lugia could just play canceling Cologne. Yep. And the deck absolutely gets obliterated by Lugia, and Lugia is gonna be the majority of the room. And I just, I wasn't willing to take a loss to Lugia, so I ended up playing Lugia myself, which didn't really go well because it's Lugia. <laughs> yeah, that's, why yeah. that's why you were sitting with me all day. I was sitting with you. We, we were chilling at the bottom tables. I sat next to Andrew Hederick as well, the Lugia god. <laughs> yeah, I think I think all my Lugia opponents had canceling Cologne and and Knoxville basically. So, yeah. Hey, it makes uh, it feel any better. I wasn't going to run Aerodactyl anyway, even before they put Cologne in their list. <laughs> uh, that's a, that's also the best way to play Mew because you're just basically playing two deck cards. Let's just say 75% of the time with Lugia is exactly. 25%, and it only works when you go first, so you have to win the coin flip. So right. 
half of those 25% of games is the only time you're going to use it ever. I didn't play it in Orlando might be more or than in Knoxville or in Fort Wayne. Yeah. I like having two extra cards in my deck. <laughs> I was going to say it's going to be more than 25% of your games if you're winning, but... Ha <laughs> 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 Well, one thing that stays winning is Manscaped, our sponsor for today's cast. Yes, that's right. Manscaped is the presenting sponsor of the Tag Team Pokemon podcast. And spring is front. Spring has sprung, friends, at Manscaped, and they have the best tools for some spring cleaning. They will help you tidy up all the nooks and crannies on your body. And I mean, some of their products are absolutely fantastic. The Beard Hedger is a high-tech piece of the art in travel size packaging with a long-lasting battery, universal charging, and a exceptionally strong motor. I mean, this thing just like doesn't die on you. I've charged it once uh, and have been using it since they sent it to me Oh, last year. I mean, it's absolutely fantastic. Not to mention it comes with three free gifts a beard brush a comb some scissors if you're a beard person you have to get the beard hedger by manscaped and one of the nicest things about our partnership with manscaped is that you get 20 percent off plus free shipping when ordering online so get yourself over to manscaped.com use code tag team at checkout 20 percent off plus free shipping get yourself something nice something nice for you Something nice for, you know, you, for your spouse. It all works together. So head on over to manscaped.com. Use code tag team at checkout. 20% off plus free shipping. Thank you so much to Manscaped for sponsoring the cast. All right, fellas, let's get into the second half of the cast. The meat and potatoes of the podcast we are well not me you are all traveling to london england there's got to be some pressure uh but you're, you're traveling from across the world to go to europe or i guess i don't know yes you're traveling all i don't know what oh, is it like a three hour three hour flight or what I, I don't know if I would call UK Europe anymore after Brexit, right? But I got connections, uh, so it's it's going to be a bit more than free. But but technically, if I flew directly, I could just take it in two. Okay, okay. Well, see, okay, so you're taking, like, what, a five-hour trip? Whatever. You guys yeah. are coming from around the world, uh, basically Europe and America, um, to go to London for EUIC. That is in two weeks, so not this weekend, but the next weekend. And, you know, I'm sure you have been thinking uh. and testing a ton because there's there's that pressure, right? Like, talk about a little bit, like, the pressure that you feel with a tournament like this. You're traveling. You're spending all this money to have a shot at glory but of course there's oh i don't know a thousand people that walk away pretty much empty-handed so talk to me about a little bit of the pressure nick about traveling overseas for a tournament like this i don't really feel it to be honest um i did a lot more Based. like before i definitely would get nervous you know for tournaments when i was less confident in my play but um current state i'm feeling i'm feeling comfortable i feel like you know i'm gonna do well that's really interesting because as i've gotten more confident in my play i feel more nervous for tournaments like i'm taking that build i'm taking tylenol before round one like i can't uh, think uh, about regionals anymore without getting like we i can't believe that there was an era in my life where i went to regionals like back to back to back weekends because now yeah. i think about regionals or euic and my stomach hurts yeah 
I get more excited than than nervous these days for it, and I'll still I'll still get up at like five a.m. the night, you know, the morning of the tournament, and just. I have heard that story. The story not... of you eating like you were just eating something at like five a.m. in the morning of Salt Lake City, <laughs> like I don't know who it was who told who are you rooming with that told me that, but someone told me people, that you were yeah. just like they just randomly like were rolling around in the bed and they just saw you awake at a table just like munching on something at like <laughs> five a.m. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Nothing like waking up at 5 a.m. in the morning in the tournament and thinking like, well, if I go back to bed, I'm going to oversleep, so I have to stay up. <laughs> like, exactly, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the pressure is on, but like, I hate to bring it back up to this again because I already said it, but it does come with the goal. Like, if you're new and you're like EUIC is your first international and you're like doing some sightseeing in London and then also going to the tournament, like if your goal is to 5-4 or your goal is to day two, like there's you can still like appropriately put some pressure on yourself because you want to do well but i think that your pressure just comes with your goal and yep. so like in the i am pressuring myself to 256 not because like i'm scared that i won't but because i'm almost confident that i can and so yep. like the pressure comes from a place of like i know that i can do this it's just a matter of showing up when it matters i think that it also comes with confidence in your deck and hopefully you're not making that decision like the night before the tournament or like right before. Like I used to make a lot of close calls where I'd be back and forth between two decks, but now I'm kind of at the point where it's like I want to have my decision made like the week before the tournament. And unless someone like sends me the complete absolute sauce that they can prove beats everything like the night before the tournament, I'm just gonna stick with it because the games that I played with it matter more. Absolutely. So I mean I think there's pressure just like any other tournament, but you just you still I top four of the tournament, and technically at Fort Wayne, and so like I'm fourth of 1,200 people or whatever it was, but you still only face nine players day one, six players day two, and then top eight. Like, yeah. Your tournament, it doesn't matter how big it is, you're still facing the same amount of people. So it's just like, it's one game of Pokemon, then another game of Pokemon, then another game of Pokemon, and it's so easy to think like, oh, this is a like a 1500 person international or whatever it is, but you're still going to play nine rounds day one. There's no questions about that. He's going to make it nine rounds. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't really feel... I've never really felt nervous this season. I mean, obviously, whenever you're... I, I feel like whenever I was a senior aging up to Masters, I put, like, a lot of pressure on myself because it's just, like, a whole new, unexpected just scene that you go into. And, yeah. uh, like, as I played my first Masters season, like, the nerves just kind of went away. And this kind of feels like the new norm, and uh, I just, I'm really just excited more than anything to go back to London. Uh, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't be mad if I didn't really do extremely well in the tournament, because I get to go and sightsee. Uh, but if I do do good in the tournament, then I, I, I do good in the tournament. So it's like I'm getting more points towards top 16, more points towards uh, maybe getting the travel award. Uh, and I mean, I just see it as a win-win. So, I mean, obviously the goal is to win the tournament, but it's like it—it's not really that big of a deal if I don't. That's so wholesome, Aiden. I appreciate your innocence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, no, that's a that's a really good way to look at it. I think. Um, talking about decks for this tournament, I want you all to think of the like the best, like the the you know. 
tier one or S tier deck, if you think that there is one in this format, just think of it in your mind's eye. I want to go around the room and and kind of pick your brain, right? And see what you think is the best deck. If there's any, you know, kind of non-consensus, I think that'd be great to talk about. So uh, let's start with Jesper. What's your top deck of this upcoming format? Well, can I can I ask you first how hot am I drawing in the day? I'm I'm asking what's I'm asking what's the top deck in this. Did format. I win the coin flip? Did I open the VIP pass? <laughs> no, that's the hot drawing hot part. Like, uh, if if I'm drawing the absolute nuts, Guardi is the best deck at format. But that's it, Guardi. I like Guardi. So Guardi, okay, okay, Nick. Um, this guy right here, Cramrat. Okay, Aiden. What you got? Uh, I think Lost Box is by far and away the best deck. Lost Box, Xander. I am somewhere between Lost Box and Lost Box Giratina, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Lugia bots just run it back and dominate the tournament. Lugia is also very good. JW, when you were reading, when you were about to read the ad and you said, you know what else stays winning, I thought you were going to say Lugia. I, was really <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, I mean it, it, it'll, it'll persevere, right? I, yes, I do think absolutely. Lugia, I mean, it absolutely. has a place in this format, no doubt. But it's kind of interesting. You're hearing, you know, Guardi, has I think we already kind of t- talked about this backstage. Um, Guardi being the deck that just has the insanely high power level, maybe more so than any other deck um, in terms of like one hit KO potential and mm-hmm. uh, the crazy amount of setup and the different amount of attackers you can play. Um, you have Lost Box, which is coming in as just we all know what it does. It's been really good in this format, so presumably it'll stay uh, doing very well in the post-rotation format. And then Lugia is just that deck. It's just a good deck. It uh, has a very high power uh, ceiling. You get Tyranitar, which can one-hit KO stuff. It's cool, right? So it, it's interesting to hear that we're maybe a little bit divided, so I want to just lean into that a little bit. So, yes, we're give us a little bit more and and... Everyone, feel free to, to bounce off of him, but give us a little bit more insight into why you think Guardi is is among the best decks, if not the best deck for this post rotation format. I think like if you're drawing well in a day, it it's like as you said it yourself, the power level is so insanely high. Like I, I think definitely like you're you're gonna it's it's a deck where it's it's rewarding some players, right? Like I talked highly about Lugia last format where the deck chooses you, you don't choose the deck yourself, right? And I think Guardi is sort of the same, where if the deck works for you, it works, and you're absolutely murdering everyone uh, on your way to winning, but if the deck does not want to cooperate with you, you're just not going to have a good day. Which kind of was reminiscent of Lugia, especially when your Americans wanted to run free to Lugia, and we were like... That's crazy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so... I think, you know, with Gardevoir, at least what I've found is that the Champions Festival is really important. And so I think it's a bit unfortunate that it's kind of gatekept from the general public in that way. In Europe, it's less of a problem because they can play five different languages, right? Um, so at least for the Americans coming over, we're going to have to drop a couple hundred bucks on some uh, some tropical beaches or what was it called? Champions Festival. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Jesper, you found the same thing that the... Yeah, I found, like, it depends on, of course, how, how you want to do it, right? Like, if with the jelly and stuff, like, it, it kind of was different. But, of course, like, as you say, it, it's, of course, cards like that. If you want to play it in your deck, it's it's also, like, it's something that helps Europeans, being on a home turf and everything. Where you can, instead of playing Fest- James Festival, you can pick out your German once and say, Festival de Champions instead, yep. right? <laughs> uh, so, 
Yeah, but but I do agree. Like like Champions Festival has a huge role to play because it mitigates some of the weaknesses that Guardi can have. Meanwhile, yep. you also get to pop the seventh it's energy on Gardevoir. Spell, yeah, yeah. It, it's it, it's playing a choice belt that stays in play constantly as a path bomb one. heals all your other guys as well. Yeah, the cards I think really important, and we're not seeing that in the list that are doing well online because I don't think anyone really has access to that online. I found them in my account somehow. I didn't even I've never even scanned a code. I think I think the world's decks. If you bought the, like the twenty fourteen. One would give you, uh, would give you one or something. So I like have bought the four of those and just had them in my PTCGO account. I guess when I transferred it over, I was like, oh, I guess I have champions festivals. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's, a, it's like either that or you've been long time player before they introduced the QR codes for festivals. Like I think like my account has them because like I played every single world since 2008, right? right. Like I have them up the years. I even had beaches for at some point, but I traded them away. Yeah, I don't have beaches, but I do have the festivals. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I think that uh, Lost Box does beat Guardi. From my testing, Lost Box is the only deck that can beat Guardi whenever it draws well. Yeah, and that's just because like Lost Box. Uh, I mean, it's it's one it's one versus two. Like whatever you think of the prize trade, and it's just like Lost Box. Guardi takes like a minimum of like two turns to get set up. And whenever you're playing Lost Box, if you're popping off, you're taking one prize. If they don't match mana fee, you kill two Curlias. Game's pretty much over, right? Um, and even thinking if they get a big Guardi V out, you could go Mirage Gate twice on the Drapion and just kill the Guardi. So, but then, but then Gardevoir goes first, and they just retreat to Clefki turn one with their Fog Crystal, and then. Are you guys playing Clefki? Because I'm not. Yeah, I'm not playing Clefki. I mean, I, even wherever we did test it with Clefki, they have to get two down, and that's really tough. Right. Exactly. But then you you then you have to like open escape rope or chorus into it, and so then you're like you have four outs to be able it's to fine. do anything for the rest of your turn. I think yeah, that so, I think that some amount of Klefki is correct somewhere between somewhere probably like one point two. Like there's probably some merit to playing the second Klefki, but I think that the first one just like you can just battle VIP pass retreat to Klefki go like you. Yeah, I you I think. It. You mess up Maridon, you mess up Mew, you mess up Lockbox. Yeah, I think, Xander, you, you make a really good point because I've been just thinking a lot about just a single Klefki for those instances where you're going first and you're able to retreat into it. It seems fantastic against, you know, again, a lot of these setups, setup decks, most notably Lost Box. Yeah, but then again, we're talking consistency, right? Because you have to think about, right. okay, it's super cool if I can retreat into it. But then again, like, if you want to play Klefki, you want to play a deck that could actually start Klefki and not get hurt by it. Of course, Guardi is like the only one in format that doesn't get hurt right. by starting Klefki itself. But you have to think about, like, one Klefki is not going to cut it. If it's a main part of a strategy versus a deck, you want to be playing at least, like, three or four, like we did with Stella with Jirachi, because if it's something you want to have in the active, Lost Box is going to be 20% of the format. Uh, with all these sub-variants, let's just say 25, you're going to have something that you'd need to have out every single time like the the law the guardian version that nick and i are talking about has the gear of like going into cresselia or ninja so they can't rope around and you can use jelly to like so sort of soak up a hit from cram you can do that while you like spam cresselia on your opponent's uh, comfies that's the sort of version that the japanese guys have been playing and it's also where champions festival is going to help you a lot yeah. by soaking up these hits um but the klefki version could also like be soaking some of your consistency away because, like, of course, Klefki active, you cannot use uh, Greninja, which is like a huge draw source for the deck. Yep. 
because you're playing like 11 to 12 psychic energies those are to get stuck in your hand and and like with the fin supported line that almost every deck plays nowadays it's super important to get to use greninja in the games and and therefore it's like Clefie is such a trade-off, right? You make your deck so much slower in so many circumstances where you would just lose on being slow instead of actually losing not to setting up. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think Gardevoir, I think Gardevoir is the only deck that can realistically play some amount of Clefkeys and get away with it. Because like you can just trade them away or refinement them away, whatever. But also, like, you have far more outs to get it. Fog Crystal gets it, and then all of your Ralsas have one retreat. So, like, you can do some pretty neat stuff. Like, just also, even if you have it, even if you don't have energy in your hand and you just Fog Crystal for the Clef Key, they almost then can't play Escape Rope because right. you Escape Rope and you send up the Clef Key. So, like, you're not even that punished by having only one Clef Key because. They're, they're, they only have Switch Cart and Scoop Up Net. Or sorry, they no longer have Scoop Up Net. Right. They only have Switch Cart and Escape Rope now as their methods. And so, like, it, they, I mean, they're going to be smart enough just not to play Escape Rope, but then you're putting, like, more... You might make them attach in a way that's weird. Like, that energy that they could use to Concealed Cards away, they're using to attach Retreat. So, like, it's not like it's the, the end-all, be-all. Like, they're just going to draw for turn with a Comfy and then pass. Like, I don't think that's what you're playing Clefie for. But I think that you can get away with one some amount of the time, and it will be better than the 60th card in your deck for like a decent amount of matchups. Yeah, that's interesting. So the Guardi versus Lost Box matchup, we talked about that. Um, are there other decks with with Lost Box that you would be worried about playing? I mean, is this something like... Ooh, many of us said that Lost Box would be kind of our consensus top deck. So do you feel that if that's kind of the con you know consensus amongst us, right? Not not complete consensus, but but general consensus among us. Do you think that that's what the populace at large is going to think? And then how do you think the meta will react to Lost Box being you know arguably the best deck in the room? Like, do you think a lot of people will choose to counter Lost Box? And how much of that are you thinking about when choosing your decks? It depends on variance, though, because, of course, like, you, when you're saying Lost Box, it's like yeah. a whole variety of decks. So you have, right. like, five, right. six, seven different decks where you, you have to, like, sort of be like, okay, what's the most popular variant of the Lost Box? Mm -hmm. And then you can target it because you can't target all boxes at the same time. That's simply just not something you can do. Well, so then I'll pose that question. So what's the best version of Lost Box in a post-rotation format? I think that there's merit for both Giratina and the uh, Sky Seal Stone versions. And if I had to pick one that I think would do well, I think it would be the Sky Seal Stone versions. Kind of like the more that, turbo, like Dragonite, Drapion. I don't know if you even okay. need Dragonite. I think you maybe just play like a Raikou and the Drapion and like maybe a Galarian Zapdos V if you're really worried about the Maridon decks out there. Like the, the two things that my friends and I were saying like you need to like you need to be is like you need to have an answer to judge pack and you need to have an answer to Sableye. And I think the Sableye is just one of the things that's like really solid in this format. Uh, especially in like Lost Box Mirrors, since Coop Up Net rotates, all of that damage just hangs out. Uh, you can go Halucha into Lost Mine kill two comfies, uh, which is super sweet because that's exactly 14 damage counters. Um, and then like your game plans against Mew and stuff like that get like a lot easier, like when you can still do the Sableye into the Drapion Skyseal Stone thing. Um, so I think that the Skyseal Stone deck 
lines up the best against the format and then truly loses like nothing. You you just you alternate nest ball instead of quick ball and you lose scoop up net, which obviously like I mean it is something, but when five other different lost box variants lose scoop up net, it's harder to say like this guy's scoop up net. <laughs> right. Sableye does become like unreasonably like broken in the next format. We lose big parasol, we lose wash energy, we keep SP on VMAX. But the thing with SP on VMAX is all these lost box decks are already playing Sky Sealstone and Drapion and one to two copies of boss. So the second you slam down the SP on VMAX, you now have the threat of your opponent going boss it up, Sky Sealstone, kill it. I mean you can go Leafy Camo Poncho. That is a card. Um we were testing some arc deck with Leafy Camo Poncho, kind of like Makani's deck from this past regionals, uh, these past two regionals. Um, it kind of works, but also it gets slaughtered by Guardi. Um, Alolan Vulpix kind of does beat the Guardi matchup, but there's a particular Ralt that the Guard of War players can play that completely destroys your deck. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> And uh, I will go on to say that uh, Arceus, I think, is very good. I think Arceus, uh, just Lugia beat not being what it was, makes Arceus very good next format. Arctina is very, is doing well in the overseas events. Uh, Arc Pile, I think, has potential to be good, just with, like, whatever. I mean, I think Aerodactyl is still good next format, too. But, like, I know a lot of people are very indifferent. I know Xander doesn't like Aerodactyl. Uh, particularly in Mew, I think I think Aerodactyl is like it, it still is very good, especially in. You Mew. Don't, it only shuts down V's. It doesn't shut down EXs, so it's like you're getting even less leverage than the mediocre leverage that you got with it in the previous. Format. But it does shut down Drapion, and I will say the card's good. It's good against Maridon. Um, it's good against Maridon. It's good against uh, Lost Box decks because you just use it against Lost Box, and they can't Drapion Sky Sealstone you. Double um, yeah, I mean, they could go, they could go double gate if they want to go. If they want to go double gate, whenever I'm judging them every single turn and passing them, then sure, they could do that. Um, and <laughs> it's, I mean, it's it's also good against Tina. It's good against Tina, uh, obviously. I mean, the same thing. They could do double gate. Double gate is kind of like, in my opinion, I think that's a bit of a sack. They're, doing that. <laughs> they're they're way more they're way more likely to get double gate on a Raihan than like right. You well, then they only need one and then, like, attach. Like, but is Tina yeah. is Tina Lawson playing Raihan right now? Tina Lawson. Like, right? If you're doing you but are. if you're doing Tina Lawson against Mew, then you win the game because you just go Drapion for three prizes and then you go uh, the GX yeah. But what if you go what if you go Aerodactyl? Then you just then you, boss that up and then you then you boss it you, take, you <laughs> okay. boss it you take Three. two prizes with lost impact or whatever it is and then Drapion does whatever. Well, Aerod also Aerodactyl is so much better against Lugia in this format as well because they are not getting two two archaeops. Yeah, this card without all, they're, they're not flipping heads on capturing Mesagosa. Mesagosa catching a cool. You can flip all your heads. Like Lugia is uh, so good when you flip heads. Bro. Yeah, it's, Lugia, Lugia <laughs> has turned into. I, I saw this Jake Gear like Lugia. Lugia has turned into Mew whenever we first came back from, like, 
<laughs> the it's fusion Mew, yeah. yeah. It's fusion Mew. It's fusion Mew where you have to. It's like catcher Mew. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good though. Gotta hit my uh, cramo like... aroma. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let me hit my aroma. My mess goes. Uh... That's right. Bring That's your, right. bring your, bring your good rolling dice if you play. Yeah. Yeah. Win because of capturing aroma. That's a thought that I have to like digest. Like people are going to lose real money in their pockets because of capturing a robot yeah. so well just be just to be honest let's say you played Mew, right how many games have you lost to like flipping tails on your initial cram uh amazingly not any there but i lost a game to lugia that i flipped triple cramomatic tails in a turn to miss a tablet to knock out a lugia against one of my friends in day two i just immediately <laughs> i was like i cannot win that was literally the win I had a forest seal stone and a chromatic, and or in multiple chromatics, and many of them hit heads that I had enough to do, and I hit tails on all of them. But I mean, I, I don't think like we can joke about coin flips, but I mean, coin flip cards have been good for years, and they're still going to be good. Like, yeah, it's the same. Well, and that's the thing. I feel like, and and the the thing about the capturing aroma, it's not like a dead card if you flip tails. Right, or it you can flip heads or whatever, yeah. right? It's like, yeah, which, which one? <laughs> I don't yeah, even know which one gets you what you want. If I, I think it's heads or Roma, I would, yeah. I would have to re-look at the card and go, which one's going <laughs> <laughs> What am I actually wishing for here? Okay. <laughs> it's like back when we played baby Pokemon in like 2011-12 season, right? It was like, okay, baby's asleep. Yep. Tails, yep. yes! Heads. Yeah, right. Woo! <laughs> you want to stay asleep, but then wake back up. Exactly. But then there's or laser, you have to flip triple heads. tails. Laser, you want right. tails. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what I so one deck that we've kind of talked about kind of in passing, we've definitely mentioned it, and I, I feel like this is a pretty serious deck that we really should go into. A new deck, Miraidon. So we have not oh, it's so this is so bad. It's so bad. Well, if you don't hit the glue gun, you just lose. It's got haters glad, out here. I will gladly be the I've tested one this one deck every time you your opening hand five energy without fail. Every <laughs> time. <so> <laughs> Y'all are insane. I actually think the deck is like quite strong. I mean, maybe not tier one, but like it has a place in this format. <laughs> like, oh, he rips it! <laughs> Wait. Why so you, uh, just listen, Jesper just tore up a uh, uh, electricity generator. No, bro, it's a glue gun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so here's the thing with Maridon. There's just no way that that can be the best thing that you're doing in the format. Like, you're telling me the most powerful thing you can do is get lucky off of a worse Max Elixir, put <laughs> stage ones in play to do 280 damage, and then not be able to loop it because you whiff. Like, there's no way that out of the powerful well, things so you can be one doing of the this thing, format, one of the, actually, the most powerful thing. So, okay, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. Hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. I think, I think the deck has the best turn one of any deck in the format right now. So you're saying that what we should just do is just end the game on board. Gentlemen's for turn one. <laughs> Gentlemen's turn one. <laughs> we are Raikou knockout. I'm just saying that there is, yeah, like Raikou is a really strong first turn option. Yep. You have that late game potential. You can play Judge. You can play enough, like, uh, you know, ways to search out your cards. Like, you have Arvin, so you can go Arvin for the generator, for the seal stone. Like, it's pretty straightforward to get a turn one attack like with a Raikou and then you have things like Raichu you have things like Magnazone that can snipe I mean you know it sounds kind of silly but you have Magnazone dude snipe 90 great against Guardi great against Lost Box 
I really think you guys are downplaying it. I'm not saying I'm not out here yeah, to say that it's, it's I'm not out here to say it's like the best like I'm not out here to say it's the best deck in the format, yeah. but I'm here to say I really feel like this needs to be taken a little bit more seriously than it is. It's Maridon will not make top eight at EUIC. I agree. Yeah, I don't think it will. Yeah. I don't think okay. So top it's got the best it's got the best Pokemon search. Okay? Yes. You get one Maridon down, you're you're chilling for the entire game. <laughs> This, right? calls for, this calls for a bet. That's 100%. We, we need okay. a bet on this. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say top 32 highest placement. I think, yeah, I agree. Top 32. Top 32. I'll take the over. I'll say that one makes top 16. Okay. I, don't think that I think that's possible. It's possible. But, well, I'm just but, saying. Okay. What if, Sorry, go ahead, Aiden. Oh, what if what if your opponent just literally benches a Galarian Zapdos feet? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? You just don't get Reg, you're lucky then. No, okay, like, fine, okay, okay, about. yeah, what are, you, what are you doing whenever I go... Well, so, okay, so... Sky so just don't get Reg, you're lucky? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, if you know you're playing against without Reggie Lucky. Because you're still doing 220. You're still doing 220. You're switching back and forth. Yeah, it's fine. You're chilling. You know what I mean? I'll go into this scenario. What if I'm attacking with a Lowland Vulpix V-Star? What are you doing? <laughs> I'm hitting you like, with ball. Magnazone V-Star, bro. <laughs> yeah, Magnazone V-Star, bro. Yeah, maybe we don't need this Regilecki guy, you know? In maybe. all seriousness about uh, Maridon, I think that you need the 1-1 one, one Flaffy because you're yeah. already playing worse Max Elixir. I think that, <laughs> like, you're not hitting two off of that card. Like, this is, this is for players out there. Don't play that card. Don't build your deck in a way where you're trying to hit two, because if you're trying to play the like deck wizard 2020 20 deck just to make your blue gun work, it's not gonna be good enough. Because like, then you draw five energy. Yeah, Someone clearly has never that, tried switching cups. Settle for the fact that you're gonna hit one. Alright, let's sell let's sell this. I will not register switching cups <laughs> in a tournament. But but back to yeah, my that was hand, a troll. Like, that was a troll. Yeah, yeah, it was super troll. I appreciate you owning that. So like Okay, Maridon, you clearly set up well, but, like, yes, you set up, but then you're just putting two of your bench spaces just to do 60 more damage. So, like, yes, you're one-shotting, like, Lugia's with Dunsparce. Yes, you're, well, when they don't have V-Guard. Yes, you're one-shotting Arceus when they don't have V-Guard. Like, you're one-shotting. Yeah, like, they always Lugia. But in all seriousness, like, I just, is the strongest thing that you can be doing just attacking for damage and not really having a great backup plan. Like, your backup plan against Lost Box is good because you just casually get to have three Regilecki V in your deck, but they still play Escape Rope, and they still play Galarian Zapdos. So it's like, I just don't know if, when you're looking into this format, like, Gardevoir can put seven energies into play in a turn, and you're telling me that I'm, I can play an item that can whiff a decent portion of the time just to hit one energy? Or there's, like, Mirage Gate, which is an item that can consistently get you two energies. Yeah, that, that one gets you guaranteed two We are power ranking all of these things. Like, this electric generator is so far down, and you have to play so many other cards just to justify putting it in your deck. Like, I just don't think that Maridon, <laughs> as consistent as it is, because I think that, I mean, yes, you win the word for consistency. Like, you tie it with Mew. Good for you. You're on the podium. I don't even like, know about that. I'm not yeah, sure. I don't what know. Are you, what are you doing after that? Well, we, we said, it, you know, maybe we can move off the topic because it, it sounds like, you know, it's very polarizing. You know, we have some people that really just hate the deck and the card and, and some people that think it's pretty good. So, you know, I don't want to cause any more division. You're saying some people think it's good. I think it's basically just you. <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm just gonna i'm gonna restate my i'm gonna restate my position i think it has the best i think it has the best first turn of any deck in the format 
Okay, and I, I think that's... I, I would I sure. welcome you to disagree with me because you think like maybe Lost Box, but there's no way like Lost Box now getting four in the Lost Zone on turn one and getting a cram active like that's hard now. Sorry, that's hard. You can have that. You can have that for sure. I mean, you can have it, right? But the way I got the deck built, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fine. You think it's fine? Okay, well, all right, yeah. that hasn't quite been. You my need experience, a but... switching method and energy and a chorus. Yeah, like that, and that's too not that. And yeah, but getting the chorus, man, that's the whole thing, is getting the chorus. And you gotta play the Pokegears. You gotta play some better. That's a Pokegears. All right, well, you can DM me your list. But then you also have, I will say also, like, you have the one-shot potential. It, you takes, it takes a lot, right? But you, you have that one-shot potential towards the end of the game, uh, doing 220 and then stacking with the uh, with the Regileckis and then maybe a Choice Belt in there. Um you're also all two and three prizes, though. I know. I there are there are downsides. I will say, but you have yeah. really good setup. You got the Maraid on that gets you going really quick. So, just hear me out. I I will take the over on that. Nick, you said only one will make like top thirty-two. Or no, that's I'm the highest place. That's the highest place. I, I would say. I think one will make top eight. I, 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 I think yeah. so. I, I, and I then you have you could also play Flying Pika. You could also play Magnazone. I mean, there's so a lot this of means that if if any of us playing in tournament or sitting in a Potential ID in situation with a ride on, we absolutely we have to beat it. We gotta beat it. We gotta beat it. You play. I'm play Aerodactyl in my Mew deck, so I'm just gonna go Ancient Star and then win the game. <laughs> there you go. It's as easy as that. But I don't even think you need that to beat it. How are they doing? You have Oricorio in your deck. How are they ever one shotting you? Nah, I'm not playing Oricorio. I'm just gonna play the Aerodactyl. If you can win harder. Mm. <laughs> right right okay all right let's uh let's shift now into maybe some decks that are under the radar i'm thinking of like oink cologne yeah, um, as kind of like <laughs> like you know maybe no one's gonna play this but like what are some new decks that are under the radar that uh, we talked about coridon what about miridon <laughs> you can play it with penny you get two Coridons out, move the energy between them. Or what's the other card? The Cor it's Coridon. It's Coridon. Yeah, you got Arcanine. You Coridon onto Arcanine. You move the energy, Penny. Put a push up the other one. Put it back down. Move them between them. You're in there. Okay. Talk about a truth, real. Truth be told, I do. Th I don't think that Oinkalone will perform well at EUIC, but I wouldn't be shocked to see it do well after that. I think that that's the kind of deck that needs to know what it's getting itself into. Uh, but I do think that there's something there. Like, V-Guard's still a really powerful card. You get to judge path people. You get to put Vivaril in your deck. Uh, Charon's Care really helps you against uh, Lost Box. So, like, you're not really going to get obliterated by that. Like, they can continuously, like, they can Lost Mine your Dunsparce and stuff like that. But then they're, like, double Mirage gating onto a Galarian Zapdos, which you can knock out with somewhat ease. Uh, so I do think, like, I think that... I honestly, yeah, you're going to hate me for saying this, JW, but I think that Oikalone has more potential than Maridon. Like, <laughs> this, isn't, this, isn't even, this isn't even bait. Like, I'm obviously serious. I don't I, disagree. I think uh, that Oikalone, like, it's just just being able to play four Charon's Care in your deck is very good. Uh, and when your first attack is, like, actually solid at knocking out stuff or two-shotting something, like, you're going to get there eventually. So as long as the format gives you enough time to, like, have the the benefit of healing, I think that Winklone will be good. But I just don't see it being good for EUIC because you kind of got to know, like, what am I responsible Yeah, don't you get curb stomped by a single Tyranitar? 
Tyranitar, so let's see. If you have 320, Radiant Guard, 300 or 320. You have Radiant Gardevoir in your deck, and you have a V Guard that's effectively. 310. You, you start, yeah, 310. Though so if they don't prize powerful, you're screwed. Or if they don't, if they don't prize a single strike energy. Yeah. Yeah, and you can't even try to do some dumb stuff with Cry of Destruction because they. They have a you gotta I mean, yeah, that's probably bad. But, like, I think that... I don't like using arguments where it's like, oh, well, you lose to this one deck if you have a decent matchup against the rest of them, because... Well, I think that deck might be one of the... I mean, Lugia... Games. Yeah, I like it. I like using that argument for Lugia when it's still going to be really powerful, but just, like, in general, it's like, okay, well, if you have... Three, yeah, I was only using matchups, Lugia because I know it's going to be the second biggest yeah, deck. Yeah, like, so. yeah. Yeah, Lugia's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Lugia's, like... Un I mean, it's it's definitely a top three deck, undoubtedly a top three deck, maybe top two. Yep. Um, I I honestly think maybe I don't know what control cards are, but I think control seems interesting as like a concept. I don't know if, they, if there's even a way for it to work. I don't I think mean, they have I, a loop. I mean, I think I think that with Lugia, just like we were talking about the Shatter Rider deck, it's like you go Shatter Rider and then path them, and it forces them to bench Pumpkaboo. And they bench the Pumpkaboo, and then you Mawile it, and then you win the game by going Mawile Pot Helmet. Um, and also against Lugia, you could play a 1-1 line of Duraludon, but the thing is that that doesn't work, because then they just Tyranitar you. So you have to start attacking uh, with the Duraludon to win. Right. Um, I saw a super sweet control list for this format from Japan. I'm trying to find it, but three players did well with it. The, the bro, we'll just let Sander figure it out. I'm yeah, the only, yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> the only way to make control work is if you have like a like you're either playing block locks or you're playing like something that locks something in the active because you can't let Lugia have free reign because then they just go into Tyranitar and just mill you. Like yeah. it, it can't be a Waller because I wonder um, if Sander will come up with something. Maybe he'll just play an attacking deck for one. <laughs> Maybe he'll no, play. No, 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 no. He's never going to be playing. He's attacking, never going to play an attacking. That's, that's no, no, no. Not going to happen. Like so, he's either going to find something or too go easy. five four. <laughs> yeah, but like last time, I think he played like the Dream Ball shit twice now because he was like, "Well, <laughs> there's nothing else." <laughs> Wasn't yeah. that like, still Mew attacking? Like, I think so. Yeah, yeah but but the deck, the deck's core was like you still like usually went for the option of like draining your opponent's resources before you did something. So like, right? Well, you have would... to take a knockout to. Wasn't it? Was it the Mew V Max with the Dream Ball? Am I thinking the right deck? No, I don't. I don't think that. I don't think he played that deck. Oh, that I was think there was. Else. I think there was someone that played that deck and was like, "Thank you to Mies for helping me with this deck or something." Okay. Okay. Uh, it was interesting I... though. It was like Dusknor, uh, Chandelure, and like that. I think it was like Thievul. Yeah, that's good, dude. Chandelure, um, <laughs> Drapion doesn't hit you for weakness, right? Yeah. So correct. So Sander leaves regional to play Gormadai Snorlax, uh, two two one Guardi, uh, two one one Inteleon, one Radiant Sard, one Dusknor, one Gudra, one Inte, right, one no. Drapion. So yes, it was technically attacking, but it's never a meta deck. Yeah, right. I mean, I will say his, his OCIC deck was like, I, I was very just like, how does this deck beat beat anything? <laughs> but I mean, I feel like it's just the fact that Sander comes up with these like just like crazy strategies that he's kind of banking off his opponents, just like not knowing what they're doing. Yeah, 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 and it's worked for him. That's a fact because you see the list after it's like, what's the win con? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where is the win condition? <laughs> are Are there any other decks that we haven't brought up here? We've talked a lot about Guardi. We've talked a lot about Lugia. We've talked a lot about Maridon, Mew. Um, are there any other decks that we should 
bring up like that you're even considering or at the very least considering that other people will be playing well, uh, I actually I, I actually want to talk about Mew because I yeah, feel like its right. matchup table gets really worse, and I feel like a lot of people are really respecting Mew in post rotation. Like, I don't think you cut Drapions either way. That's not what I mean, but just like in terms of their opinions, I just feel like the like the matchups that you expect to face really suck. Like for Mew, like I feel like you're really gonna struggle with uh, not even like just like. Lugia when they because they can still like they're not three tending you with Lugia but Tyranitar is still really good if they play the basic Evital that for uh, three dark does one ten then they one shot you um, I think that your matchup against Gardevoir is like it's odd like you can kind of steamroll them really early but then they also just late game you and they're really like as long as they draw their out to path they're always going to get out from underneath the judge so I'm not super like that matchup's weird. Um, like, you beat a lot of stuff that I think that you beat anyway. Like, I feel like your Maridon matchup is pretty good. I think your Lost Box matchup, as long as you have a brain, is fine, and you just don't put yourself in spots where, like, like don't put two Mew VMAX on the table and then try to, <laughs> try to sleep one, because then they'll just try to boss kill the other one. Like, just, I don't know if, like, I don't... If I was trying to play to win the tournament for EUIC, I don't think I would play Mew, and I've played it for the last three regionals. I think I'm only if I'm playing it, and there's a somewhat decent chance that I might. It's just because I think I'll two fifty six, but I don't think that Mew is like it's not like, a tournament they, deck. I don't think Mew's gonna. I don't think Mew's gonna make top eight either. I would be surprised to see a Mew in top eight personally. Like the the stuff that you lose your rotation, like you lose Quick Ball, like everything else. But the difference between you losing Quick Ball. And other decks losing quick ball is you play quick ball on turn six to discard a card and draw two cards. Like right. nest ball possibly That's might right. not even be able to be played. Right. Feather ball is just a minus one. Like you quick ball away those VIP tablets that are bad, like uh, that a bunch of stuff that you just don't need. Your extra yeah. copies of Judge when you don't need to be playing them. Like yeah. your inning is gonna get way worse in post Also, cram got nerfed because you can't cram away choice spell. And yes, Sky you Seal. can't cram away choice spell. I, I, it makes me think that the correct count of Forest Seal Stone is now one instead of two. I agree, even, yeah. Even though it gets battle VIP fast and you could always just play it down, like, I definitely crammed away Forest Seal Stone a non-zero number of times. So, like, I don't know. Like, people are talking to me as if, like, Mew is the deck that they need to be worried about post-rotation, and Maybe I'm just, like, too caught up in pre-rotation to see it, but yeah. I just don't think that Mew is, like, this, like, demon that people are making it out to be in post-rotation. I think if no one was playing Drapion, it would be a lot better. Yeah, and everyone says, like, Drapion, Mew. Like, I think the way that I think about Mew is that you start the game with four prizes, they start the game with three prizes, and you just have to take four before they take three. And most of the time, it's pretty you're pretty good at doing that as long as you don't have, like, a complete, like brain laps, but I think that just, like, you're going to struggle to take the Gardevoir, if they set up, they're going to beat you. They're going to Zacian right. Stone you. They're going to enter Emergency Jelly their Gardevoir to take a huge knockout. They can just, if you don't put down Oracorio, they can just boss kill Genesect with the big guy, and then how are you ever dealing 310? The answer is mm -hmm. you're not. I mean, like, you're actually probably doing 270 because of the two, like, they have to put four on themselves, but, like, you get what I'm saying. Either way, yeah. I just don't, people are thinking that Mew is just, like, the deck to worry about. And I'm way more worried about Lost Box. Uh, okay, Mew overhyped. Mew overhyped, perhaps. Yeah. 
I think it's definitely going down um, in popularity. Like, it saw a lot of early success in Japan, right? Because nothing changed, really. But then I think as other decks came out, it kind of fell off a bit. We can also see that on Limitless. Once you go into live, uh, sorry, played on LimitlessCG.com and you just press on decks, Mews, like, drop from... I can't remember where it was. It's dropped from, like, 2 to 6. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. So, like, we're looking at you being, like, a 6-7%er deck. And, like, I, I yep. think we're respecting it too much, but, like... There are just going to be Mew people. We have Mew Sander here, right? Like, of course, like, Mew is a good deck that, like, it, it's arguably the most consistent deck in format still because you achieve your game plan so many times. But then again, your game plan would just be lackluster due to the, the amount of Drapion played, honestly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It just really sucks going second. <laughs> like, I went second uh, twice, all of Fort Wayne when I made top four. And so, like, Obviously, super lucky, but like you gotta capitalize yeah. on it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that Aerodactyl is good in the deck, but I was, I said this a lot there the podcast. Uh, I think if there was one to make top eight, I think it have to play Aerodactyl just because it's like you have to get cheesy, kind of. I mean, I don't think you could just like straight up go with your game plan. I don't think Fusion Mew will do amazing. I do think that like Fusion Mew is more favored to the DTE build of Mew, but I don't know. It's like what Fusion Mew does better than. DTE Mew because like you just lose the, yeah Better I guess Lugia maybe I don't know Fusion, like, Fusion Mew gets the higher loss, damage though. you get the higher damage count when you need it against the EXs because Choice Belt doesn't work on mm. EXs so it has to right. be Power Tablet when it needs to be Power Tablet uh, so right. like even if you know that you're going against uh, Lugia then turn one you can just sparkle onto two Mew Vs and then if they have, like, everything in their hand to kill one of them, good for them. But if not, then next turn you just go, like, attach, sparkle, bench, Meloetta that turn, 280 there, Lugia. Um, the thing that gets really hard about it is, like, you're just, putting a, you yeah, you're just yeah. putting a bunch of really terrible cards in your deck against Lost Box, which is still a matchup that you yeah. need to respect. And now you're <laughs> playing two Meloettas, yeah. four Fusion Energies, and, like, two to three Ellis of Sparkles that do nothing against one of your hardest matchups in the format. If you're not, like, playing smart... So, like, okay, now I've got nine dead cards against a deck that's going to be... Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see Lost Box variants combined to be, like, over 20% of the field at London. I think it'll be close to 30. It'll be, I wouldn't be, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's more between, like, Giratina and, like, maybe... Between Giratina 20 and 30, and for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think with everything, like, do considered, it's, like... I don't know why you would play Fusion Mew, because Fusion Mew in this past format, it would have been, like, a really good deck if Lost Box didn't exist. And, like, now I feel like Lost Box is gaining popularity. So it's like, why are all the Japanese less fusion you? That's always been, like, my whole, like, question. Is, like, there was, like, the first regional or whatever, their uh, Champions League, there's only one DTE Mew in their top 16, which is just, like, really weird to me because, like, I think that, especially in the earlier parts of the format, the deck that can more efficiently, like, judge path or disrupt their, their opponent is probably the better one. Um... But again, and, you have to think about Japanese play best of one, so that might yeah. also have something to do with it. Exactly, yeah, that's that's exactly what I was also just thinking. And I mean, I've, I've experimented with like a lot of different cards in Mew. Like, I've, I've tried Luxray V, uh, I thought of Luxray V, Sydney. Um, Sydney's really good against Gardevoir, by the way. You can go, they, get, they always get a big pan at some point in the game, then you just Sydney them and path them. And it's really tough for them to bump that path after you send them. It depends. If they play a worker in their deck, it could get really tricky. But um, 
I mean, there's a lot of different cards you could play in the deck, which is really cool, and I like about it, because, like, your deck's already so consistent, so you could actually, like, put random texts in your deck, and it'd be fine. Um, I just don't see why you would play Fusion with the amount of Lost Box coming up. Um, yeah. Are there any other decks that we haven't talked about that you really want to get in? I just want to ask this as kind of the closing question, because there are things that you have probably thought about that the masses haven't. So is there any deck that you just like really want to like give a brief one to two sentences on that people should either be prepared for or something that you're maybe testing yourselves? Someone is going to high roll with the Rapid Strike and Teleon Urshi. Every, every <laughs> oh, time I look at it, it, are we allowed to curse on this podcast? Cause no. That, <laughs> okay. Every time I look at the deck list for that, it is very bad. Let's just put like, I just, so like their whole engine is artillery, but then like, you're just going to draw for turn, play whatever one of supporter you just happen to have in your hand, and then search for a rapid strike energy. Like, again, there's no way that that's the best thing that you can be doing. Like, the math with Yoga Loop is, like, super sick, and, like, I can see all the stuff you can do with Alakazam, and so, like, against Lost Box, you can, like, do the double discard, damage move, kill the mana feed, then next turn, G-Max, Rapid Flow. Like, it's super sick, but you don't have, like, the best engine you have to do that is to play rapid strike and Octillery, which searches for, like, the Pokemon in your deck, the energy, and then, like, a couple trainers. Uh, cool thing, it searches for Echo Horn, because Echo Horn is a Rapid Strike card. Mm, but, right. like, yeah, but there's, like, I just don't know how that deck sets up. I'm sure that if it does, it does a ton. Like, it's really powerful doing the damage counters, and you can always Cheryl the Inteleon when you bounce the energy. But uh, I think that it's going to struggle in a tournament format like maybe that's why it works for best of three because the game that you just open with like raiding out kazam Intellium vmax urshifu vmax radiant Ener- like the rapid strike energy like you could just scoop that game but i don't know i well it's really it's really good because it's a fighting pokemon so it's good against maridon yeah you cover the weakness and then <laughs> vmax rapid flow is obviously just busted but i just don't I don't know. I just I see lists for it, and I'm like, this deck is this deck must There's be no crazy. Way this can work. Well, if you get to pick every card you draw, it's probably one the, <laughs> probably one of the better decks in the format. But if you get to pick every card you draw, then you should just be playing Gardevoir. So like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I think something with Pikachu is good. I mean, I just don't know how Pikachu stays like insanely good because there's I mean another actually another deck we haven't really talked about is Sablezard. Um, Sablezard is it's okay. a, it's, it's an okay, very okay version of Lost Box. I feel like it doesn't really lose a ton. Uh, it still could be viewed as being good. Uh, I've tested a couple games of it and it feels fine. Uh, it's fine. Yeah. It, it feels like a very consistent, like, you do what you do type of deck. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, the good thing with Sablezard is that, is that it's really good at, like, getting around stuff. Like, you go cross-switch your boss, or you could go, like, cross-switch your rope, rope cross-switcher. It's like... Uh, but anyway, leading on to what I was saying is that Pikachu, Flying Pika could be good um, mm. stops Lost Box the only thing is that if they're able to tack on some Sableye damage, hit you with a rope boss uh, it could be tricky, but uh, yeah, you don't I mean, have Parasol so. yeah, we've, ta- we've tested a lot of stuff with Pikachu and it's just like, it feels good but it feels like, it's always like a big gamble whenever you put it in the active unlike last format where you could just be like I'm just gonna attack with flying Pika six times a win. Yeah, with with Parasol, it's like yeah, right, it's yeah. Yep. Nick, how about you? Any under the radar decks that you want to shout out real quick? 
I think we pretty much covered it. Um, yeah. I'll pose the same question to you, Jesper. Any uh, under the radar decks you want to shout out? Yeah, that is a good question. Like in terms of like under radar decks, um, the Shadow Rider thing that we saw getting like two top eights, I think it's like a totally cap deck, but yep. two Kefki four four Shadow Rider right? voiced. It, it's it's Omega cap. Like I I don't understand how. Like I I remember like when I was getting back from like Fort Wayne, my brother was speaking to me about it in the car. Like he tried a couple times, it was whack. Then I checked Limitless the same night in thirty six. Yeah. Then, then I look at it the same night. I'm like, why does this deck do okay? So, yeah, shout-outs to that. It's it's pretty bad. Yeah, okay. so we got two top eights in the first one and then went 16 and 36 in the second one. Do you think yeah. it'll do better than Maridon this weekend or uh, next weekend? Uh, I don't think no. so. No. no? Okay. Oh, thank goodness. Okay. Well, <laughs> I was worried. I was worried. So... That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you guys all so much for joining us. I just want to give you, uh, the four of you, one last uh, chance to, to shout out uh, whoever you need to, plug yourselves, your teams, um, you know, shout out your significant others, whatever you want to do for <laughs> for this podcast. So let's start with you, Aiden. Uh, shout out to my girlfriend and uh, shout out to uh, Team Daily Grind, uh, TGG, TGG win, and... Uh, uh, go follow me on Twitter at Kusaden, and yeah, I think that's about it. Let's do it. Nick, you're up. Yeah, uh, huge thanks to my sponsors, Dead Draw Gaming and Cutter Tap. Uh, I just put out an article today uh, overviewing all of the cards lost to rotation, um, set by set, going in depth at everything we lose, why that's impactful, and then I give my top 10 most impactful cards uh, lost, to this, uh, lost to rotation. Um, and then you can either DM me on Twitter or email me um, at nickmoffat02 at gmail.com if you're interested in coaching. I still have some availability this weekend and early next week before UIC. So um, definitely hit me up if you're interested in that. Very cool. Jesper, what you got? Yeah, uh, thanks so much to Limitless, uh, TCG, and Dragon Shield, who also sponsors you, JW. Uh, mm. But yeah, thanks for your sponsorship and cart market as well. And of course, uh, everyone who books with me on Metafy.gg. I still also, as Nick has, availability overall on Metafy, where we are launching partnerships as well, which you can definitely go and check out. I will post my first part of the partnership during this week or next week. Very cool. Xander, shout outs. Uh, Twitter at Z Xander Bennett, B N N E T T. I'm the Z Xander in the community. It's only a little bit frustrating that there is a relevant X Xander, Xander, <laughs> and a relevant Xander. It's a lot of fun. Um, people in the Twitch chat were like, "Is Xander playing control?" They were like, "Xander never plays control. It's Xander." But I did play control. It's like, oh my gosh, you guys are trying way too hard. Um, Twitch.tv slash town map, but the O is a zero, but I stream level snap more than I stream Pokemon. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> still count it, still count it. Pokemon can... Live sucks. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Marvel, yeah. Marvel Snap is based. You should be playing Sandman right now in hit monkey format. This means something to somebody. <laughs> I played it when I came out. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you guys all. Thank you guys all so much for joining us. You can find the podcast over on Twitter at Tag Team Pokemon. You can find myself at Real John Walter on Twitter as well, and Riley, who is my normal co-host at Smiles with Riles. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you to the four of you for joining me here tonight, and that's going to do it for our episode. Have a great rest of your day.